Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. The part that's actually the hardest is to do it consistently for a long time, mm -hmm. even when it doesn't look like it's working. And I think that's really the only difference between myself and a lot of other people. I'm relentlessly consistent. I'm not necessary, and I mean this, and I'm a big fan of myself. I know I'm not the best stand-up comedian on earth. I know I'm not the best content creator on earth. I know I'm not the most handsome person on earth. I know I'm not the most physically fit, but I am one of the most consistent content creators. Hot breath. What's goody, Hot breath Verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our mission here is to cultivate the next generation of self-made comics. And our guest today is one of the most influential self-made comics in the game. So if you're tuning in because you're a fan of him, welcome to the Hot breath Verse. You now have access to over 400 interviews all about the craft of comedy. The only heads up I have for this episode is you'll hear some popping noises near the beginning of this episode for the first little bit. Those are all of Kev's fans leaving comments, and I had to learn how to turn off that sound a little bit into the interview. So be patient. Kev's stage crew was full tilt, and I appreciate all of you that did tune into this live on our YouTube channel, and I hope to connect with you after as well. All I ask in return for this inspirational content is for you to share this. Pay it forward. Share it with a friend, a coworker, a fellow comic. Share it with someone or some people that you think would find this episode helpful. And now there's only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath with Kev on stage. That uh, was a great interview. I mean, uh, intro, Joe. Appreciate it. <laughs> Matt, I appreciate you for doing this. Seriously. And we got a lot of people already jumping in the chat here. So this will be a Q&A as well. So if you have any questions, feel free to um, post them here and we'll get to as many as we can. But... um. First things first, I've got to ask you from this, because this is something we connected on and several things we connected on, I realized through researching you, but the things you credit for your success are your faith and family. And what I have found in my experience, I didn't decide to pursue comedy until my senior year of college after praying about, am I following this business degree or my calling? And then I met my wife in college who has been just my rock and support through this entire 10-year comedy journey I've been on. So if you could, I just heard you mention that briefly in an interview. I would love for you to kind of expand on how your faith and family, you how you credit that for really your success. Well, I mean, my first material was from church. I'm a black church kid through and through. I spent 99% of my life from birth to 30 in church, mm -hmm. uh, especially the first 10, 12 years of my life, 15 years uh, in church, especially when I was really young. We used to go five days a week, literally. Wow. The only day we go 
consistently was Monday, but uh, or five or six days a, a week, you know, pretty, you know, religiously, no pun intended. Uh-huh. But um, so that's my that's what I was observing. That's what I was taking in. That's what I was first mocking. My first bits were things that I saw. You know, my first audience was after church. You know, my mom, grandma, we would sit at home and watch Star Search and eat pie. And they'd be like, do the do Sister Daniel shout or how did this person preach? And or remember when the person was stumbling over? Do that, Kev. You know, so that was my first audience. My first performance stage was church, you know, singing in the choir or playing the drums, you know, later the bass and the piano. Or, you know, we used to have PYPU, which is Pentecostal Young People's, um, I don't know what they used to for, uh, University or United, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we, we got to do sketches and plays. So the church was all of my whole universe, you know, and it's my first audience. My first viral sketch was a church about, I mean, a sketch about uh, black church girls and black parents. So uh, my first performance was at a church talent show. I mean, that's literally all, all I knew. Uh, so that's, you know, the, the part of me that I still connect with to this day. A lot of my, you know, messages, I always kind of do a message at the end to keep your distance. That comes from the church being in so many doggone services. And, you know, my pastor, my last pastor in Washington, he literally could preach about anything. He, he preached about the Red Sox breaking the curse when they, they came back and beat the Yankees and then won the World Series that year. And it was legit like, oh, my God, I'm so inspired. This is amazing. So, you know, that joke where I take anything and preach on it also comes from church. So, I mean, it, it was everything, man. Oh, yeah. And how important has your wife been through all of this journey? Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Joe Byers, and this is no lie. My wife... If I do not have her, I, I am not sitting before you here, Amen. right? Let me just count the ways. One, when I got fired, she kept working. So we had a house and could pay our mortgage. And I was on unemployment. And then she let me do comedy and build myself up. Two, she is the best joke. She's not a great joke tagger. Right. Mm. <laughs> but she is a great teller of this joke's not working. This is too long. This is why there was a joke I used to kill with. And right before my first tour that I produced, it couldn't, I couldn't get it to work the way it used to work. Mm -hmm. She And I was talking to her about it because she's been married to me. She's watched a lot of stand up specials show. She was like, your timing used to be much faster. When you got into that joke, part of the thing that made it work was the speed and how you did this and this boom, boom, boom. Lately, you've been slowing it down and it's not building an intensity like you used to. You should try going harder. And I was like, you're right. Joe fixed it right away. I mean, literally fixed the bit for me and I closed with it all year. One joke was not working and I'm like, hey, what do you think wrong with this? She was just like, it's not that funny. I was just, you know, it's not that funny. <laughs> Keep your distance comedy. I completely bombed on the Thanksgiving special. Ah. I mean, bombed. <laughs> I mean, Joe, I ate it. Luckily for me, it was the one that wasn't taped live. I was going to bomb whether it was live or not. Luckily, it wasn't live. So I'm sitting in the car like, should, you know, you've, you've had those sets where you're just like, should I do this anymore? Oh, yeah, because for sure. Oh, so bad. I don't know if I should do this. 
And she was like, no, nah, you were super distracted. Like this whole week you've been, you've been getting ready for the app. You've been shooting sketches. Usually, mm. you, you know, you take the time to make sure your set is good. And this time you just went up there and did it. Also, she was like, you were talking to the cameras. You weren't talking to the audience as a whole. Also, it's cold outside. So you're gonna have to literally warm the audience up. They're not gonna be going as hard at the very beginning because it's winter time and we're performing outside very differently than we were performing in July where it's warm, the sun's out. Like literally the body, it's hard to laugh when you're physically cold. You know what I mean? Like you wanna do this. So she was like, if you need to go back to back in the day when you used to sit in the living room and run your jokes by me and my sister, her younger sister is an even harsher critic. She doesn't think anything's funny. Um, <laughs> If you want to do that, you make sure you do that because you can't go out there like that again. So those are just two ways. She's like my dog on wartime consigliere. She's my uh, rock. She keeps me humble. She keeps me inspired. Uh, I literally would not be here without her. No, no hyperbole, no exaggeration. I would be just another. And her business acumen. Mm. Woo! Oh, yeah. Joe. <laughs> Joe. So she is my secret sauce. She's she's the she's the eleven herbs and spices. She's the whatever you know. That's what black pastors always do. She's the almond to my joy. She's the nougat in my my snickers. She's the ham hocks and my greens. I love her. You know, so uh, wow. she's she's an imperative part. I love I love hearing that because I credit. I mean, my uh, I just self produced my own comedy special. And Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Kev. Yeah. And uh, I, I called it the trophy husband. And, ah! <laughs> and what um what my wife and I just discovered, my father-in-law was Googling me. And the second when you go into the search bar and it pulls down like it autofills, the second search term was Joel Byer's wife. So really she's yeah, <laughs> she's getting into the zeitgeist over here. But yeah. <laughs> So I knew she's helped me tremendously and I'd heard you say the same about your wife. So I just wanted to like, just share more about that and show that credit because it's beyond valuable. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm glad you know. Yes. Yeah. And people are asking um, about, well, one asked who Joel Byers is. So I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. We have over 300 interviews with comics on this uh, channel. So if you love comedy, we have all the 85 South crew on here. We have Jeff Foxworthy, Cedric the Entertainer. Just uh, subscribe to us and support. Yeah, 85 because South? Oh, oh, I go, I go way Bizak with the 85 South folks. Okay, Joe. Now <laughs> you didn't have to say Bizak. <laughs> you know, I really admire that man. I was looking through who you interviewed, and one thing I really suck at is cold reach outs. Do you have any tips for like how you book people? Because I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how to do it. It's it's really come down to just sometimes it's a Instagram DM, sometimes it's a tweet, sometimes I email their website, sometimes I email their uh, management and things like that. Like, but you have a blue check, so you could probably just slide in the DM and anybody would pull up. You know, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah. People I've been afraid to reach out. I've seen them get booked on other, uh, you know podcasts and stuff and i'm like how they get them but i also never asked so i'm like how'd you get them like did you ever ask well, exactly no. what if they say no i'll be embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> that is how we can create a problem before it even exists of like why is it this happening to me and it's like well did you try no i did it 
You know, it's <laughs> we can start to look at other comics and compare why did they get that? But I think it took me like eight years in this game to realize like you can only focus on what you can control. That's all you can yeah. do. That's all you can do, Joe Byers. Yeah. So what what we're doing here, I mean, I kind of just gave you a rundown of the show and like the people we've had on and our mission of like basically cultivating the next generation of great comics. Like what advice do you have for us? I mean, we have a weekly podcast. We have a daily writing club. We have a, a Facebook group where we do a lot, a bunch of different events and things. Um, I mean, we have classes and workshops and our own private membership group as well. But like from your own experience in this game, like what can we do? As in my opinion, comedy's best kept secret. How can we, what can we do to no longer be a secret here, Kev? Help us out. Give us the sauce. I think, um, you, first of all, you're doing a lot of stuff right now. I think the biggest thing, it's kind of like weight loss. Like, mm. I know what to do. You need to eat right and work out. The part that's actually the hardest is to do it consistently for a long time time mm -hmm. even when it doesn't look like it's working and i think that's really the only difference between myself and a lot of other people i'm relentlessly consistent i'm not necessary and i mean this and i'm a big fan of myself i know i'm not the best stand-up comedian on earth i know i'm not the best content creator on earth i know i'm not the most handsome person on earth i know i'm not the most physically fit but I am one of the most consistent content creators on the face of the earth. I'm going to put that video up. It may not be perfect. It may not be hilarious, but it's going to be posted. As Listen, I, I pride myself on when you come to my page, you will see an attempt at being funny pretty much every day. Mm. So for the last eight years, I, I'm, I'm considering myself more of a... Uh, a cartoonist, like a comic book. I mean, not comic book, um, the funny pages. Uh, what is that called? You know, the comic strip. The comic, comic strip, strip, yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to read the newspaper when that was a thing, and I used to love Calvin and Hobbes. And some days, Calvin and Hobbes was hilarious. Some days, it was just okay. But every single day, it was there. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how I market myself. Like, you can come here for a laugh. And if I got nothing, you'll see another creator's page, but you won't see me just not putting a shot up, you know? So, um, and also I, I, you know, this advice is pretty consistent that I give out. Do trending stuff. Like, mm. however you can work trending into your business model. If that's like a comedian's going viral for this and you can get them an interview, a platform, and everybody's talking about that, then people be like, oh man, I saw XYZ on, on Joe Byers', Byers podcast. And he also has all these other people on his podcast. Let me check that out. So. I think those are those are a couple of things that really there's no secret sauce, man. It's just freaking relentless hard work, consistency and uh, posting stuff that you don't always believe in. And I know that's not like that seems weird. Like what? You know, people a lot of times content creators, they, they feel like it's got to be perfect to post it. And that's just not true. You just you know, it doesn't have to be perfect to be posted. So put it up. Someone will like it most of the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So almost like more content is what you're saying. I've heard Dame Dash say that content is currency now. Is it just more and more like that's the game right now? I don't necessarily mean more. I think, can, you know, because more is relative. For me, 
a video a day is about all I can do. And especially as I try to launch this app or start to launch this app, well, it's actually technically launched, but we're in the like beta pre-phase. I don't have as much time to make the daily videos as I always did, right? Because like I told you before we started, I was editing something that's going up on air, you know, and I'm shooting four or five sketches for this and I'm doing podcasts and I'm doing all these other things. So I don't necessarily want to just throw up a thing that's bad, but my video a day might switch from a side-by-side thing that I've researched on the internet to here's my promo for keep your distance or music video. You know what I'm saying? So I try to operate very efficiently um, in, in my approach so that I know like as we keep going, as, as I keep going, people, and, and now, you know, a year from now it might be trailers for an episode of something, but it's a very funny trailer. You know what I'm saying? So, gotcha. you know, like Kevin Hart and The Rock, they're kind of my benchmarks because they get booked as much for their talent as they do for their marketing and the audience that they bring to stuff. And that's a currency thing. And, and that's kind of what I want to do. Like I have to be the creative engine to market my own stuff. Cause I'm not quibby Joe bars. I don't got 2 billion. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but what I do have, like you see all these uh, clapboards in your comments, that's the stage crew. Like I just put this in my Patreon. I didn't even put this out to the world yeah. because I know my Patreon, they be pulling up. If they're able and they got time, they'll pull up and, and watch and support. And, you know, and we'll put our clapboards in there. And, and that's my, that's my other secret sauce, you know, and that's a lot of, that's, you know, nine, 10 years of content. Like some of the people in my stage crew are Patreon They've, they've gone all the way back to when my youngest son was two or three years old and couldn't even speak clearly. Now he has his own podcast. There's some fans who remember when he was like, like literally, that's how he used to talk. And now they're watching him sit next to me and be like, so what do you think about the Mandalorian? I like this and I like that. And that's my, you know, that's what I have where what I really decided to focus on was just you know, in in the same sense of Tyler Perry, what I really admire about him, he doesn't care if critics love him or if the public at large loves him. Mm -hmm. He wants to make sure his audience loves him. And then if you grow in his audience, you like him, you know, and that's where I've been like, yeah, man, you don't need everybody. The Grateful Dead doesn't have everybody in their fan base, but they've got a freaking lot of deadheads and the deadheads are serious about the Grateful Dead. And that's kind of what I want to to build and that's kind of what i've been working on yeah that is one thing i would say the hot breath that's what we call ours our group the hot breath it's the hot brethren and sister in, in here <laughs> and um someone said i'm like a porcelain doll so the crew is in the building okay yeah <laughs> y'all he is reading these comments why would y'all tell that man he's a person on his show <laughs> I've been, dude, I, I came up in Atlanta. Like I've been roasted way worse than porcelain doll. All right. We won't even, <laughs> we won't even go to the street. You know, came, came in the man's house and didn't take our shoes. Though. Like, Hey man, this house is small. Hey God, <laughs> we over at company's house. No, I don't they, think that was a stage crew person, Joe. That was somebody else. <laughs> no, they, they're saying it looks like we're in the same house as well. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, when it, when it comes to the, like, yeah, I just, I know you have like an online course on your website about social media and all that. And this show is centered around like helping that next generation of great comics, like 
what uh, what kind of social media advice do you have for like the next generation out there? How like it seems like that's the tool, but it seems like I mean that I mean basically help us, Kev, on stage. How can we use social media as a tool and not a toy? Uh, here's the thing I'll say, right? You may not be able to prove to people that you are a funny stand-up comedian on social media, right? But you should be able to show people that you're funny. And that's kind of like a lot of my fans for a long time didn't even know I did stand-up. They mm. only knew me for my videos unless they had seen me at their, you know, at their church or at, at, at a club or something like that. But they had thought I was funny for my video. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of OGs of comedy who for a long time balked at the idea of being on social media and then got mad that <laughs> social media comedians were getting booked. It's like, you know, the biggest mistake you can make is to think a comedy club cares if you're funny. They don't. They care if you sell tickets. Mm -hmm. Now, back in the day, you were funny you got on big stuff, you sold tickets because you were seen on Comic View or Comedy Central or whatever, and they had the rep, uh, rep, rep, reparations, representation. Representation? No. no. Uh, res resume. What, what is a word when like, I'm known for doing something good. Reputation. Like, reputation. They had the rep. Thank Did you, you liberal dab, arts. Joe? <laughs> you just dab? With the arm out? That was like a knee-jerk dab. You don't even know what happened. You're just like, ah, I don't, I don't know what happened. I just, I, I dab. I don't know. <laughs> uh, they had the reputation, like the comedy store. If, if they're booked here, you know they're funny, right? Mm -hmm. But now, uh, and at that time, agents and managers, they were sitting in the audience because that's how you book people. Same thing was happening in music. Now, I have the ability to, you know, stage crew, you know, we've got a huge audience all over the place. I've got big audience in Atlanta. If I post on Instagram, hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta. They don't care about the club's reputation. Right. They care about mine. So they're coming to see me because they've seen me laugh on, you know, social media. So that could be on Twitter. You type funny tweets. You do, you know, funny memes. They, you know, think you're funny. On podcasts, sketches, Desi Banks. He does a great job being funny in sketches. He's one of my favorite content yeah, creators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and now he's doing stand up as well. He's he's hilarious on social media. Country Wayne, same thing. They do a lot of sketch comedy. Uh, you know, Tony Baker. He he does a lot of content, but he's known for uh, animal voiceovers. Like that has nothing to do with stand up comedy. Animal voiceovers, but he's really funny at it. So people follow him, and then he can say, "Hey, I'm going to be in Columbus, Georgia." Or, hey, I'm doing my own uh, Tony Baker and Friends on December 18th. Come check me out, right? So you've got to find out what medium and what type of content best shows that you're funny and then people follow you. And then you've got to create a community, right? Because yes. not everybody necessarily follows you and then wants to come see your show. you got to take them from a fan to fam and then you can monetize. A lot of times people just want, you know, to make money off of people. And it's like, okay, like, that's like um, uh, a door-to-door -door vacuum salesman. Like, hey, you want to buy this vacuum? Oh, no. Okay, bye. Like, that's how comics approach social media. Like, well, let me post my flyers. Well, you're posting a flyer, but I have no reason to go. Why would I want to go check you out? What do, what do I want to do? What makes you, why? Like, let's right. prove to me that you're funny first. So in my case, my audience 
it's been eight, nine years of, of making funny content, most of which I never asked them for anything. I wasn't even selling merch. Like I just was like, I don't want to ask. I'm afraid. And then it was like, also I do stand up. Come check me out here. Also, I'm going on tour. Now I'm doing an app or I'm selling merch, you know, and that's kind of the whole thing. Just you got to, you know, prove that you're funny as much as you can in the best way you can. So you prove you're funny. And that is like a difference between a following versus followers is that community aspect. Like how, yeah. how can we as comics cultivate that community and really start to nurture that relationship beyond just asking for things? Yeah, I think part of it is your content creation. The other part of it is like, you know, I used to, as simple as responding in the comments. Like Boom. you'd be surprised. Comics don't even respond ever. Like, how I respond to usually two or three comics on each platform. Now I don't, I can't do it as much as I used to, but I respond to two or three on Facebook, two or three on Instagram, two or three on YouTube, two or three on Twitter. And that just lets people know that I'm not just a piece of them. I'm not a cog in a machine. I'm a real person reading that. Now the drawback of that is you read a lot of comments and they're not all positive, but I, I talk to my audience. I go live. We talk directly to them mm -hmm. and it's not always here, buy this, here, buy that, here, buy this, here, buy that. Like we establish, uh, you know, kind of like a relationship and that's, it's as simple as commenting back to them. Hey, what do you guys think of this shirt? And then listening, like um, <laughs> my audience is great, right? I, I, I test, you know, now for me, it's a lot easier because I have Patreon and that's like the core fan base. These people are the ones I know are gonna buy something if it's viable. You know, I'll, I'll throw, hey, what do you guys think of this shirt? They'll be like, yeah, Kev, drop it. And sometimes they'll be like, this is the worst ever. Don't sell this. I believe they say that, yeah. <laughs> dreams never die shirt. I should have asked them because dreams never sell either. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but that's been built up over, over time. Okay, cool. Yeah, I believe they, they'll be honest. They're being honest for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old porcelain doll, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because even that on that merch game like you you would you know fly across the country for a hundred bucks but then sell fifteen hundred dollars in merch you know the merch game's no joke yeah man that's how i got by i remember you know that story you're talking about was in augusta i, I got 150 bucks to get paid and i remember when i was flying i was like this really doesn't make any sense but I had, you know, $1,500 worth of merch in my duffel bag and I sold out. So, you know, back then, most of my shows were free. The church would bring me and cover my flight and hotel and then the show would be free. They'd take an offering or whatever. Um, and, you know, my currency was was merchandise. So um, I wouldn't say that I'm a great merch salesman, uh, but I try to give my people who support me something to buy. I'm actually working on a new uh thing to launch at the top of the year that kind of coincides with the app but at the time that was my currency was like merch because you know people are like well shoot i had a great time and i didn't pay for a ticket i got 30 bucks let me you know let me buy a show they might not even wear it you know i used to sell dvds at this time uh, and when people had a great time they'd be like let me buy everything you got i'll buy three of these dvds you know and one shirt you know so that's like 60 70 bucks and that's better or more than, you know, a ticket price. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing um, and I'm thinking you saying the app and you have this soundstage and you have the studio and you have all these podcasts and like, let me um, I don't want to jump into uh, fan questions here as well. But um, I, I want to selfishly ask this one and pick your brain a little bit more because I really do feel like 
we're on to something special here at hot breath. And in your, your instincts on your own experience, like we have, you know, we have the weekly podcast, we do these Q and A's, we have the Facebook group, we have the membership group, we have this YouTube channel, like what you seem, you started off with one and then you built out, but where do you see, like, how can, how can we keep pushing the envelope forward? We kind of have this baseline and you're saying be consistent, but is your instinct saying even just try this or that and just start to kind of mix it up a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, whew, I try so many things. I mean, literally so many things. Mm -hmm. um, it, sometimes that's also realizing that you're not good at one, you know, like yeah. Vine. I was like, I tried a, some of the worst Vines ever are on my page. I'm almost glad that platform died just so you can't <laughs> go and search how bad my Vines used to be. TikTok, I didn't perfect it, but I found that my dad jokes worked on there. So I think it's about like, I, I'll throw it against the wall and even Clubhouse, which is kind of an emerging, emerging app, I, I, I dip my toes in the water there because you just never know who you're going to connect with on what platform. But I also know part of that is realizing it's hard to be, uh, I'll use the term dominant on all platforms, right? With, with, you know, specific content for each. So I, you know, kind of focus the most Patreon is my most important app by far, oh. because that's my direct line to my audience. Mm -hmm. uh, but that required me to build a good YouTube page, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Now, thank the Lord, you can basically post the same video on those, but you need to take the extra time and actually post it. There's a lot of people still posting the link from their Instagram on Twitter. Nobody's watching that. And no one's clicking that link. You have to post that video on Twitter and cut it down to two minutes and 20 seconds or whatever, you know? So that's part of it. Just first making the content uh, and posting it natively. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I, the way I kind of see it, social media is my job. It's my responsibility to be uh, aware of all the apps, what's popping, what's dropping, whatever, and know what my strengths are. Like Periscope was a great app for me because I'm long-winded. I could talk and talk and talk. So me and my audience, when I used to be driving to work for an hour and a half, I used to talk to them four or five times a week for 45 minutes for like a year, two years, almost three years. You know, and I only really stopped that when I started Patreon because when I started Patreon and I, and I quit that job because I didn't have an hour and a half in my day where I was like, I couldn't do anything. But so many of my fans were like, bro, we used to be up in there having a great, and it was only like a hundred, and this is what I need people to understand. My Periscope, I never was big on Periscope, but we used to have the, the 95s, what our, my fan base was called when we were on Periscope, 100, 200 people in there, we would be having the, we would have the time of our lives in there. So it wasn't about, being viral or crazy it was just about connecting with my audience every day we never had a crazy amount of people in there and it wasn't about that it was about you know having a good time with my with my fans and family and them 200 people they came to patreon they're stage crew they're they're people who are buying the tickets to keep your distance but that's years of free content where i wasn't asking for anything we was just hanging out having a good time and i still really struggle to ask for anything even to buy stuff but i realized if I want to continue to do this, I got to promote, you know, my, my, uh, my business ventures. So that's why I promote. But if I could find a way to monetize without promoting, I would do it. 
Wow. Yeah, me too. And Prime, even Prime my, loses. Like, if you watch, sorry, Joe, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, we going. just got a super chat. So thanks for. I know that and gave you $2, Joe. We out here. We made it. <laughs> you did now dabbed and raised the roof in the same interview. <laughs> we have got to get you. We got to do the woe. You got you to gotta bring one dance that's been released in the last three years. At least a woe, Joe. You mean this right but, here? You mean that right there? <laughs> Uh, your, your dog on raise the roof threw off my train of thought i don't even know what i was gonna oh, say my anymore. bad man yeah but it, what i think we're getting is the context for the amount of work oh, you put in just being authentic and to the community yeah man like my promo for keep your distance is actually content whether or not you buy a ticket obviously it's my hope that you do yeah if you don't buy a ticket you're still like well dang that was a great sketch so at least if you watch the full thing I haven't got you to buy a ticket, but I might have got you to watch the thing on YouTube. So I might have got an ad dollar out of you. And that's the thing that I had to realize. Some people are going to watch my stuff and never buy a thing. Thankfully, the uh, the YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, I'm getting monetized so I can get that money that way. Or maybe they never go to keep your distance, but they're like, I like his content. So I'm going to get in on the app. Uh, so I, I try to do all that stuff. So I get the, a chance to monetize in every way, shape or form. But just know that it's not it's not going to be everybody. That's just not how it works. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get into some questions here as well, because I do want to make sure that um, the crew and the Hot Breathiverse get some questions answered. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is this is gold. Yeah, thanks for all these gems. People are wondering if I can floss. <laughs> they want me to do the floss now. <laughs> is it? Is it... <laughs> I'm already setting us back. I'm already setting us back. I can't keep going. <laughs> oh, let's get um Erica Switzer in here. She's a, a an OG member of the Hot Breath of Verse. She like just we do a live writing club on YouTube okay. in our Facebook group where we get a new word and write a new joke in ten minutes. So she's been super active in there. Okay. Um. So she says, uh, Kev, I followed you from the jump. And love seeing the growth. Will you continue to produce more classics like Great Taste and Saul Incomplete, but no Nehus? Ah, uh, it's hilarious. So Great Taste is a show from All Deaf from when I used to work there. Um, I won't. I can't produce that specific show because that's a property of All Deaf. But what I will be able to do is uh, create content that gives you that chemistry, camaraderie vibe, that Great Taste had what people really liked about that whether they knew it or not and a lot of people them did it was the chemistry it was these people are having a good time together it's not really important what they're talking about i just want to hear them talk so we're, we're developing a couple of shows like that there and i'm definitely now that i think i see that people are really feeling the music videos i'm definitely going to get a name who um uh, either sketch or full music video in there because so many people love 90s r&b and they who's a big are like Angelica Mister, uh, she's in this chat. She's a fan that's at least seven, eight years old. It, it, like at least she's been wow. on my fan base forever. Guyanese gal, she's been coming on YouTube for years, Joel. So wow. this is kind of like what my fan. I one of my Patreon friends was from when I lived in Washington. She actually used to see me live when I dressed up as an old man and did this thing called Clayton Earl, she's still on my Patreon. Like seeing these people in here, 
like that's how you build a family. These people are like, I'm with you for a long time. So uh, I'm sorry, I, I veered off on your question, but it just it reminded me how long so many people have been in here. No, no, that's beautiful. I love that. And even um, like I really started focusing on community really specifically since the pandemic and really um, cultivating an online community. And it's it's very rewarding just to see, you know, mine is more it's comedy fans, but also like aspiring comics and just seeing them starting their writing journey. And now three, six months later, like seeing the evolution and growth within their own comedy skill set. It's just it's, yeah. it's very inspiring. That's dope, man. I love, and that's what like, you know, kind of Booker T. Washington said that cast down your buckets where you are. There's, mm. there's, it's better for you to have 300 people or 30 people in the hot breath of who really rock with you than a million fans and none really care. Like there's a lot of influencers who have a lot of followers, yeah. but no, no community. So when it comes time to promote something, people are like, nah, nah, man, just post that video I like. I don't actually want to do anything. And they have a hard time doing this for a living because they have no core fan base boom yeah cast down your buckets where you are people like that one yeah man my man kev got bars in here and you're you're um you're keep your distance Ooh, this is a good one this is from k mac um kev who is your dream comedian to book for keep your distance besides joel byers of course i'm where are you based at joel i'm in the a okay all day. Load I'm going to get you, Joe. Season two <laughs> next year. I, I just want to see you on stage. I'm going to get you sometime on my word. I'm going to book you. Um, Amen. Uh, there's a couple of comedians, but the dream, Arnest J. I love Arnest J. He's one of my favorite comedians. He, he, just, he just does him in so many ways. And he goes so hard on physical comedy, which I, I do as well. So Arnest J, I'd love Kevin Hart just because I've been a fan of him for so long. Uh, Dave Chappelle, I'd love for him to smoke and drop knowledge. You know, Ellen, I, Ellen's special when I was in college where she did shoot at the very end, one of my favorite special. Jamie Foxx has my favorite joke of all time. My favorite joke, I might just post it today just to honor him. His Brady Bunch joke at the end of his uh, I Might Need Security in Oakland, no one can do that joke. You can't even steal that joke from Jamie Foxx because it's so personal to his life and he can play the piano and sing. Love it. And uh, Monique. I feel like Monique mm. is a monster on stage. And uh, I feel like, you know, because of the Netflix thing, a lot of people were like, oh, Monique ain't even that funny on stage. Okay, first of all, that's just not true. How you feel about her, is how you feel, but ain't nobody gonna say Monique wasn't funny. Monique, like, bruh, I need y'all to, I need y'all to, y'all need to recognize game. Monique was an absolute monster on that stage. So I would love uh, to see her. Mm. So I, those are kind of my my favorite. And Jonathan Slocum, yo, he, when I was a kid, he was the first church comedian that I thought was so funny. My mom had his tapes and CDs. We used to listen to him over and over over and I like that might be actually as I think about my life he might have been more of an inspiration than I even speak about out loud because he was doing jokes that about stuff that I was seeing and I didn't know that you could be funny about this and he did that in such a good way that I thought that was possible so I think those are those are my people those are my eight 
Yeah, that was that was me with Sinbad when I saw Afros and Bell Bottoms. Oh, yeah. Seeing him like talk about the sidewalk squeaking and like I mean he his alliteration, his characters and his act outs, I was just like, I wanna do that. Yeah, man. Sinbad, you know, uh prayers up for him as he recovers for sure. um, from a stroke. He is a monster that I don't feel like is talked about enough. Like I agree. he's also a comedian that, you know, in a lot of ways, this is what I strive to be. He's clean, but you don't think, oh, Sinbad's funny because he's clean. He's just funny. You don't realize, wait, did he cuss or I don't know if he cussed or not. Like, that's kind of how I like my comedy to be. I don't want you to be like, oh, he was funny for a guy who doesn't cuss. Like, he's just funny. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, if you guys have questions, put question in front of them. Um, a lot of comments. Yeah, there's a lot of comments. But if you have a question, yeah, put uh, just put question in front of it so I can find it. Because I had someone... I remember um, Doogie54 asking, and I, th- I guess this is from <laughs> this is from your comedy hype interview recently. How did you keep a straight face when Doug Williams kept calling you Kevon? <laughs> so <laughs> Doug Williams <laughs> calling me Kevon. He's going to be on Keep Your Distance this Friday. I kept a straight face because I had already offended Doug Williams by posting that Jamie Foxx thing. Oh, so last, savage. Yeah, the last <laughs> thing I wanted to do was start a new thing with Doug live, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, I was like, okay, I gotta say something. You know, I felt like Marlo in the wire, like my name is my name. <laughs> so uh, it, was a, it was a little bit of a dicey situation uh, to be in. So I let it, I let it go for a lot longer than, it, than I normally would yeah. because of extenuating circumstances. <laughs> but it is funny. He's like, man, I love what you're doing. You're, you're really paving a path for comics, all this self-made ownership. Kevon, you're killing it. <laughs> Most of that interview, you just let it slide. And then you're like, Hey, I'll book you and I'll fly you out. You like kept like putting <laughs> like, I, I, it was just a joke when I posted your roast. Don't worry. I, hey, I had to learn a lesson there, Joel. At that time, posting that joke, I wasn't Kevon the comedian. I was just Kevin Fredericks, the fan of comedy and roast comedy. And I wasn't really realizing how uh, that my name carried weight in the comedy industry because I don't really think of myself like that. Uh, but I learned a lesson that day. That became much bigger. And I really didn't even mean it like that. I was just like, man, this is funny. Mm. So, uh, But I won't, I won't be doing that as naive as I did, did did it that time. And uh, I've had a few people asking, will you release the Keep Your Distance shows? So interestingly enough, I I will. I am. It's going to be on the app, but it's not going to be um, episode one is now available, right? I, I wanted to create something like Comic View where you get to see seven or eight comedians doing three or four minutes as opposed to like, you get to see this person's whole set, this person's whole set, because I felt like it's only right. One, the live experience is the live experience. I want people who watch that live show to feel like, oh, I don't want to just wait. And now I can see that exact thing mm-hmm. on there. And also uh, sometimes people performing for 20 minutes, like an hour and a half show isn't isn't going to be as enjoyable non-live as you think. So the app version will have a show that ranges between 20 and 30 minutes. That'll be the best you know, boom, boom, boom of these jokes. It'll still feel live in the sense of I'm not going to cut the jokes down to where it doesn't feel like a real set, you know, but it won't be 22 minutes. It'd be the best three minutes, the best five minutes here. Some people might have, you know, because your joke might build, you might get seven minutes, but that's what's going to happen. And I actually just sent the 
notes for the first episode back right now. Wow. Uh, literally, that's what I was working on before we did this. And as soon as um, that gets finalized, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and post it. Yeah, those shows are getting like tens of thousands of people, man. I mean, I've been doing yeah. Zoom shows with tens of people. So, <laughs> like, and honestly, Joe, I'm gonna tell you, bro, a lot of that is my stage crew audience. Like, they, you know, my, my stage crew watches it live. They have a we in our Discord. We have a private Discord with our Patreon. There's a group in there that they chat about the show while it's happening with their friends. So, a lot of that, I'd say, 78 percent of that is repeat customers who either get the email reminder, there's a discount for your email if you're on the email list, and there's a discount if you're in the, if you're in the Patreon. Discount on your Patreon is the same every time uh, the code switches for people in the email. So what I wanted to build was like kind of like a comedy club in the sense of like, I'm gonna go to every show and I'm gonna have a good time every time, regardless of who's on the stage. You know, so hopefully if with each new comic, they, you know, I, I get new people, because each, each time comics post, their fans come and watch as well. And it's my hope that I could, you know, like when you come, your people from the A, they dab, they Already. raise the roof, they say Bizak, and they, they do this. Bank and they're like, oh, bounce. Joe, bank head there bounce. you go, bank. <laughs> bank head bounce. And then they they become a fan of the show because they see, you know, four or five other comedians that they like, and they, they, and they come back. So that's kind of what we're trying to build. Uh, and then I want to sell that show and license it and, you know, say, hey, Netflix, Amazon, you know, Hulu, here's... Here's new comedians because I've been watching yes. and for the last 10 or 15 years, every time there's a new stand-up comic comedy show, 80% of the people on there are comedians who already had their TV credits. Like you get one or two new faces. Like our show, we flipped that. We said, we're gonna have one or two people you've seen on TV before. 90% of the people that you see are, are, are comics who don't have those big TV credits like that. And that's where you're going to come and deserve, uh, discover new comedians. And that's the goal. And if I don't sell it, that's fine. It'll be content on my app. And that's what I hope to build. Yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're doing here is really trying to showcase the next generation of great yeah. comics. The, like the, the ones you don't know yet type. Yeah, because you are, like I love Cedric the Entertainer. And I'd love to have him on Keep It Distance. But if you don't know who Cedric the Entertainer is by now, you've been living under a rock. He's yeah. been famous since I was in high school, like his set, by the way, on, uh, well, everybody on uh, Kings of Comedy was amazing. Yeah. But like, I've, you've known about Seth from there. He was on the Steve Harvey show, Steve Harvey, he's gone Family Feud. Like, who is T Murph? You don't, have you heard of T Murph yet? T Murph's hilarious out of Chicago. Um, people found out about him from Keep Your Distance. Then they went and watched him on Woke. Now he, you know, he's on woke on Hulu, and that's what I want people to do. Like that's how I found said from that movie, and then watched him throughout his career. I want you to find T Murph and Kanisha Bus and you know CP and Angel Tanksley. Like, oh, I found them on this, and now they're on that. But you've already known about them, and now they can say, hey, here's my audience that I bring to the table. So that's kind of how that's kind of the the whole you know, idea that, you know, for Keep Your Distance, I built this platform, but it's not just for me. It's for comedy, you know, and that's just the comedy show. With, with the app, I hope to do that for unscripted content and short films and, and feature-length films and, you know, podcasts and all that type of stuff. That's kind of, you know, what I want to do with my platform. Uh, and this wasn't always the plan, I, I don't think, but it's become the plan the last five years. It's for more than me. And I really struggled as a Christian, like what are people gonna think if you know they see people cussing? And I'm like, 
it's more than just for me. It, it, it feels selfish to have this whole platform and just personally get rich and big. It feels more of a great use of this platform to help others and also get rich. I don't want you to think I don't want to get Just rich. Just not first. I don't want to be the only get one. Rich. Yeah. yeah, I want all my friends in the gated community. I'm here, I'm up in the gated community. Oh, now I want to oh. get Angel in the gated community and Tony and Tahir in the gated community and <laughs> Team Murph in the gated community. Like, you know, back in the day, like Kanisha, a quick aside, and I hope I'm not hijacking the interview. You're doing great, buddy. Kanisha Bus had Bar none, not only my favorite set from Keep Your Distance, one of my favorite sets from stand-up comedy in my life. Wow. Like at Keep Your Distance. And she didn't license it to us. And, it, and I'm I'm happy. This set is like back in the day, you remember when like uh Tim Allen, he got the show based off his bit. Yeah. And Roseanne, they got shows based off their bits. Her set was like that, right? It was like, oh, you you deserve a TV show. This is this is, I can see, like, if I were a network exec, I would develop a TV show. So my hope is that she can take that set and tour with it, like develop it, tour with it, and get a show off it. And even if I didn't do nothing else, but, you know, remind you how funny she was, that's great. Like, I, I'm okay with that. Like, when she said no, and I asked her, she was like, Kev, come on now. And I was like, ah, I had to ask, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I want my platform to be that for everyone who, mm -hmm. who, you know, as much as I can, obviously I can't be everything to everybody. I can't take every show. I can't approve everything. But if if she gets a show and it's just even in part because of her set at Keep Your Distance, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven. That's great to me. It doesn't have to be on my app. You know, I don't have to own everything or license everything for me to be happy for people who get their, you know, get a break as a result of, you know, my help. Yeah, people are asking about like your soundstage and like how that'll work. And this is, I guess, specifically Nana P asking how the soundstage will work. Are you branching out to a circle of friends or only open it for creators in LA? Like what, yeah, are you opposed to opening up to other people? What's your plan with it? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and, and I'll answer it like this. It'll be in phases. So the reason we got it is because I'm sure you know, booking locations is expensive. And the bigger the space is, you pay, you know, sometimes $5,000 a day, right? That's an insane cost. So with our soundstage, you know, we were looking at, we were just outgrowing. Like my, my personal office is, was basically just for podcasts. There's not much room to shoot anything else in there. And my business partner, Brennan, his space was getting too small for the stuff that we were doing. So, you know, we went out looking for a space so that when we shoot a movie or a unscripted series, we can have a full green screen because, you know, we have to go rent a full green screen, uh, green screen, white site. That's $1,500 a day. Now we have that in here. Now we can help shoot podcasts and all that type of stuff. But to answer your question, initially, it's just going to be for our stuff because, mm -hmm. you know, we got to, you know, use it there first. But eventually, I don't know if it'll ever be like YouTube Space LA where you just come in and shoot there because that requires insurance at supreme levels, requires like crew and people to man that. But at least shooting things for the app, you know, that we believe in, it, it'll be used for that. Um, in the future, when I get into philanthropic, philanthropic areas, I'd love to get a space that is like YouTube space where you can just come in and shoot and the cameras and stuff are there. 
uh, that's definitely something that I would want to do. I don't know if it'll be this specific place where we're actually shooting and using it there, if that makes sense. Yeah, how I saw this question as like the comments keep popping up, but like someone's asking about like what is your ten year plan? And like is your is your yeah. career fairly like planned out? Like are you do you have it no. kind of in stages? I couldn't first of all, Joe, I couldn't even have thought from this year, the beginning of this year to where we are this year. Mm -hmm. Never would have thought that. Like, mind you, so I don't know if you know this. We we got kicked out of our first office because of racism. We call that the racism office. Um, we got kicked out in February this year. Wow. We got our, our current podcast studio in February. March happens. A doggone global pandemic shuts all that down. I'm on tour. I got 70 dates. Me and Tahir did, I don't know, eight cities. So I'm sitting there March 15th you know, 22nd hearing from my agent, like, yeah, all your April's canceled and all your May's canceled and June's not looking good either. So to go from that to creating Keep Your Distance and and uh, the idea to get an app also happened during this time and then being able to have the resources to go out and get that, I can't even, couldn't fathom this, these 12 months. So I wouldn't dare disrespect God to think about where 10 years could be. I could be, a household name on Forbes magazine, right? But my goal, all my goal, it's only broken down to, I wanna make great content for people to see and get opportunities for others. If that's my app, if that's Netflix saying, we love you so much, we're gonna give you a hundred million dollars. And I'm gonna be like, nah, man, a hundred jillion. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't even know what that could be. So I won't disrespect God by trying to see you how that looks practically. All I'll say is I hope that in 10 years, I am still holding true to making content that I want to see, making content that my audience wants to see and giving other creators a chance and giving them opportunities. That's really all I want to do for the rest of my life. I love that. I love how clear that vision is though, the intent behind what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That part is clear as day and honestly in some ways i've been doing that since i was back in washington we were doing plays and not making a dime we were still giving people an opportunity to act in tacoma who there was no there was not many that opportunities to act in a play in tacoma so i'm really just doing the same thing i've been doing like even the sketches you see we you see look at my old youtube we've been doing music videos we just did a we did a capri sun song 10 years ago. I just didn't have the resources I have now to actually make it look good. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. parody music forever. I just did it on Instagram with the music playing out of my computer. Now, because of my business partners and you know where I am in life, I can really just make it look nice. But in some ways, I'm, I'm doing what I've always been doing. You know what I'm saying? I love it. So uh, can, we, can we do a couple more questions here? Yo, or, baby! Maybe one more. Ah! Let's do another 15 minutes, Joe. We, we having a good time. We got 15 hot breath of verse. I love it. I love it. That's what I do love about some comics have been like, yeah, let's do 30. And then they get in here and they're like, yeah, let's keep going. This is awesome. Let's so, keep going, Joe. We're having a great time. I appreciate you, Kev. Ah, he's doing it. <laughs> We're bringing it back, dude. I, I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm bringing the dab back. I'm going to bring it full circle. 
I'm with you. I've been actually saying we need to bring back. I yeah, yeah. raised the roof with a simple dance that I could do with confidence. We need those back. The Dougie, I got off the train at the Dougie. I was like, okay, I don't. This is too many things. Yeah, the stanky leg. I didn't have the coordination. Oh yeah, my knees are bad. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I'm, I'm too tall for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a ball player. I'm just a tall player. It's for all my Gucci fans out there. I cannot get a read on you, Joe. You look like you went to a private school in Marietta and then you quote Gucci. And I'm like, okay, so who are you? <laughs> I, I have a whole bit in my special about the trailer to the trap. Like, uh, and like homies and honkies and all this. Like, it's, it's, I got it. I got it. You're confusing me. I'm like, all right, what now? You go Gucci like that? Oh, yeah. East Atlanta Santa all day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's, I'm just as confused as you are. Trust me. It's, <laughs> I'm glad I have comedy though. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, this comes from actually, when we talk about day one fans, um, comedian Yoshi here, this podcast started five and a half years ago. He, he's been on it since day one. So it's good to see him in the chat. Um, he asks, what do you think comics should stop doing versus what comics should be doing more of? Um, I think comics should stop taking themselves so seriously and, uh, and, and do more stuff there and unsure of if it will work or not. Mm. Uh, a lot of times comics get into the, like, you know, uh, it's gotta have the perfect, this perfect, that perfect, this it doesn't, it can be okay. I've laughed at a lot of okay videos, like, and that might be enough for me to want to see more from you. So that's the main thing. And, and you, you stop taking yourself so seriously and stop complaining so much about what works for other comics. Like mm. I, that's one of the things in the comedy community is just be like, well, this person only got big because of that. And he only does this and, and then bro, but what does it matter? Like a lot of times comics, our biggest mistake, we care too much what other comics think and not enough what audience members think. Comics don't buy tickets. They don't have, they, even in comedy clubs, they usually get to walk in for free. It's an unspoken rule in comedy. If you're a cup, comedian you get to come in for free they're not the ones that are coming to buy your show in charlotte so care about what the audience members who actually want to come see you live care about and that will be better than impressing a whole bunch of comics with which a lot of times they that's not even consistent across comedians so i focus on my audience thinking i'm funny not random comedian x y or z boom anything else we should be doing more of um posting you the, the internet is the new club it's the new billboard it's the new tv show so why are you not marketing yourself the, it's called social media social meaning let's connect with our friends and family media meaning let's promote ourselves so i think that's the part a lot of us forget about it is media it is marketing every day you're marketing yourself you know, I'm I'm currently beefing with Jonathan McReynolds, one of my friends from the gospel industry, and I'm gonna let your audience and my audience in on a little secret. Prior to this beef, you know, me and John are just playing, we had talked about going on tour together, right? So now I'm like, oh, we got this little like fake beef going, but if we decide to go on tour in 2022, they're gonna be like, oh, I remember that fake beef they had in 2020. I'd go see that, yeah. right? So everything I do is with intention and strategy. I, I rarely just do anything more than once just just for the fun of it 
Yeah, and that was actually a comedian. Indy actually just asked, are are there any uh, future collaborations with Jonathan McReynolds? So good timing. Actually, we already we shot an episode with him before our beef began on the app. So that's one of the first four episodes of the Real Comedians Challenge show um, that's going to air. So, of course, I don't do anything for play play, Joe. Everything everything has a reason behind it. Ooh-wee. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting better at that. I, I'm usually like improv mind of just running gun but strategy there's value to that as well a lot of strategy joe a lot of strategy oh i love it oh and a lot of people saying you do need to book me and i get a plate at the barbecue people are saying so okay see now black people we always want to give the plate away quick we just met joe <laughs> let's let's check his references first let's right let's, i know we got it we got it we invite people to the cookout then we get mad You're like oh this is a, this, y'all ain't gonna you don't know joe middle name we already invited to the cookout <laughs> we already invited to, let's see let's check them out first that's that's how <laughs> hey that's what happens man they get me in there colonizing the barbecue you know you gotta and that's careful. what i'm talking about you you done did a dab and made people laugh they're like man bring them to the cookout hold on man can he let, let, Trust let's say hi to him across the way first <laughs> <laughs> check his tweets i put a question in the in the chat joe uh, that I thought was good, uh, and I'd love to answer if you if you don't. Oh, mind. please, yeah, yeah. I didn't know you could see it. Also, yeah. The question, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the question says, how has the increase in popularity and media attention affected the dynamics in your marriage relationship with your sons? Ooh, that's right. Good. This has probably been the hardest part of this year, Joe. Is recognizing that regardless of how I see myself there is a way that people see me on the internet and it would behoove me to be aware of how big my platform is and what the impact is and and react accordingly so in my marriage in some ways for my wife she low-key was like i don't know if i want to do this because this is a lot this is like you got to understand joe my wife didn't sign up for any of this she just wanted to work at boeing or something like that work a nine to five have a little house and come back i'm the one who wanted to do all this so what it required of me is to be more private than I naturally am. I am not really a private person. But this year, I saw how social media and things that I were, was really open about got used against me. So now I'm like, okay, let me, let me be more careful about what I share. Because uh, not, not that I need to like go into my shell, but there's a lot of, and my dad had been telling me this, there's a lot of benefit to uh, sharing only uh, certain parts of your life, not everything mm-hmm. in your life. And I had to learn the hard way a lot this year that I can't just say what I want. I can't just share what I want because the size of my platform, I have to be more responsible than I had planned on. With my sons, you know, they kind of grew up on the internet and they kind of decided to take a, a step back, you know, individually. And then my younger son uh, wanted to start a podcast. So they're more aware of, of what that looks like. But for them, that's like, you know, honoring their request. My older son very rarely wants to be on camera. So he, if you ever see him, I've asked his permission. Most of the time he says, no, he's just like, ah, it's not really my thing. My younger son, we be going ham. We have a great time shooting and making videos. So, but I've got to be particular about what I do. Like even one time, Joe, I ain't gonna hold you. I was in Hawaii and I made a video of me yelling at the beach, right? Made a funny video at the beginning of my uh, time at the beach and a fan in Hawaii saw that and came to where we were to try to book me for something. So I learned I can't do that anymore. 
because for my children's safety, like luckily she's a fan and she meant well. Yeah. But if she was deranged, I just put my family in jeopardy, you know. So and when I was on the road last time, somebody snuck up, another fan snuck up behind me, like, yo, Kev, I want to do this. I'm like, yo, like he came literally out of the dark. So I'm like, okay, next time I go on tour, I I, I don't want to go without security because it's not that I, you know, think I'm, you know, uh all that, but it is like that's a couple of times in within six months, 12 months, that if someone had bad intentions, I would have been exposed. So I, you know, that's a part of my career that I would, you know, never really thought I would have had to do, but now I might have to do. Yeah. Even and that, there are so many parallels between us. It's wild. Um, but that, that's the same thing with my wife is like, you know, she didn't ask for any of this, but she, she's happy to support me and believes in me and things like that. But it is part, even if I'm on the road, I'm almost, I'm sometimes doubtful of posting that I'm on the road just because I don't yeah. want people to know, you know, that she's like back home, like, and I'm not there type deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know you could see the chat. Are there any other questions that, um, that, uh, you, um, and Ty There's Jr. Asked one for me not to brag here, but he asked my big break. Which, um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say I've had a big break. I've had big moments, um, mm -hmm. and experiences, but, um, probably the moment in my career that solidified my comedy journey was, I, do you know Griff? Are you yeah. familiar with the comedian Griff two trillion? Yep. Yeah. So I, I did a church with him probably two or three years in, in front of 1500 people, my biggest audience. And I killed. And from then on, it just like that was the moment where I was like, Oh, I can do this. And this is what is possible. It's not all open mics in front of four people, but this is the possibility with comedy. So that was probably the moment. This is your interview, but I just want to tie, you know, we, no, I, I, I was curious, but that was I, the moment. I was curious. Yeah. So thanks for asking Ty. Uh, I see comments asking, how do I get on keep your distance comedy next year? We're going to open up more of a submission process. Um, the, problem with this this is what i'm trying to solve for because the show has a certain rep, rep oh God. what is that word <laughs> i don't know why reputation didn't beat me up today um <laughs> i want to make sure that the comics that are on there are representative of the level of the show that is so i might i'm, I'm thinking of like how do i create a uh showtime at the apollo type of show where people who are more amateur or I'm not sure about, I can see them and see how people respond to them and then maybe promote them to keep your distance. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what that looks like. But, you know, season two, I want to continue to find new and new people. But at the same time, make sure that if you're on that stage, you keep up that like, oh, man, this this person deserves to be here uh, on that stage. Mm hmm. Exactly. A lot of yes. Toms. Do you know I'm Tom? working on Hey Tom is a thing we created on on All Deaf. My boy to hear, he stumbles over his words all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I say, I used to do like when I he would mess up, I'd say, "Hey Tom, to hear mess up another word." So now they're using it against me. This is what you got to be careful about your fan base. They That's know great. so much, they'll use your own jokes against you. And it's it was perfect time. I was hoping they wouldn't do it, but they they did it. Oh, I've gotten roasted so many times by my audience, dude. Like because we do the writing club every morning at ten a.m. and some mornings. 
I'm just not with it. Or, you know, I, I didn't yeah. I didn't shower beforehand and I just get roasted. So people love Oh, and Big J in Dallas said comedian Griff is hilarious. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. He for he was sure. my efficient, right. actually. And I cried and he booed me <laughs> at my wedding. Really? Uh I'm keeping it a bean right now. All the way on a Honda. He booed me at my own wedding. I'm going to look you up, Joe. I'm going to look. Send me some of your sets after this. I want to see you on stage. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in the game about 10 and a half years now. It's just like, that's why it took me eight years to realize, stop relying on other people. Like I kept being like, why isn't this club booking me or like whatever? It's like, why am I not on Conan? It's like, no, what can you control? You can book your own tour, do your own tours, produce your own yeah. special. You know, it's just like, yeah, focus on what you can control, which we can control 458 people watching. And if you all subscribe, we will almost get to 8,000 subs. So pull there up and holla at you. Subscribe boy. right now, Joe. Hot breath of verse. I'm joining now. Right now, Joe. Oh, I'm shoot, my bad. See, I was I was really doing it because I had I did it live and I hadn't I hadn't muted the channel yet. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and that sounds like Patreon is another good social media platform. People are maybe sleeping on in terms of using it as an actual way to engage with your audience and not just throw extra content on. You know. Oh yeah, man. That's the big thing. People, are, you know, a lot of times people just put like, "What can I sell? What can I sell?" But like. For me, like especially going into the app, my Patreon is just going to be like a private social media with my fans, you know, and that's like, you know, we go behind this like, oh, I just did the Cisco music video. And one of the funniest bits in there, I put a do rag on the tiger that came from one of my Patreon people watching live and being like, Kev, you should put a do rag on the tiger. And then my boy was like, Kev, one of your fans said this. And I was like, that's hilarious. Like, that's just one example of you know, bringing the friend, my, my, my fam into the process, because as I get bigger, it's going to be harder and harder for me to connect with people like that. So I'm going to make sure if I can't do anything well anymore, I will focus on Patreon because these people have decided to take, you know, $5, $3, out, $3, $10 out of their pocket every month and support me. I'm going to make sure that they get more of me than anybody else. By the way, Joe, I just want to pause. These are the last five comedians on your page before me. Roy Wood Jr., Jeff Foxworthy, Angela Johnson, Gary Owen, or last four. Yeah. Dude, what the heck? What are you on right now? That's, those are like, that's an amazing I'm, group of comedians. I'm trying to tell the people. That's why I'm asking you, Kev, what do we got to do here? Because we're doing God, Look at dog. this. You literally have everybody on here. Ron Funches, Lunell, Lewis Bell. You got big people. You got new people. You got Tommy Davidson. You got everyone on here. Nate, I don't know how to pronounce his last Nate name. Nate Bargatze, yeah. Bargatze, he has a really good special on Netflix. I liked him a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're killing it, bro. That's why You're I was right asking now. you, like, what do, what do I got to do to, like, let the, like, get the people to know? But it may just be consistency as well, like you said. Oh, consistency is, is you, you have the content. I can just tell by uh, who your guest is. And you've only been on, your first video is two years ago when Desi Banks, your first video, Desi Banks. <laughs> right? Now watch this. Desi Banks is popular, more popular now than he was two years ago. Do you have an Instagram? Do you have a way to cut that and, and post it on, on YouTube? 
Instagram and tag Desi. Have you done all that? Uh, I, I will. I, I, I used to be super consistent more. I used to be more consistent. And I've, I've honestly, like, all my focus has been in our Facebook group for a, a okay. little while now just just being active there but i do need to like to get more awareness it is more consistent on social for sure yeah you gotta use each you gotta you gotta you gotta use all your powers together because like desi banks is much bigger on instagram than he is on youtube mm-hmm. so maybe you tag him in the story if he he reposted somebody who's a huge desi banks fan wants to hear that interview and goes and clicks it and then they see Oh, snap. Like right now they see Desi's interview, but also I see, oh, you got Ali Sadiq in here. He got Tamara Goins, who is one of the biggest agents in black comedy. He's got Carlos Miller. I know these people. So now they're checking them out as well. And you're kind of connecting those dots from, you know, because YouTube is kind of a closed society. It's not really as shareably social as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram are much more shareably social than that. So Facebook is a good one uh, to build to build that on. So when you're you on start, the right track. Yeah. When did you start outsourcing like video editing and podcast editing and things like that? When did you start to like outsource those types of work? So I would still say 80% of the videos you ever see from me are shot and edited by me. Right. I, I outsourced my podcast to, to Josh, my boy, Joshy Guns. When I was on the road and I remember specifically the day I was, I was like, man, I, you know, this was before I brought him on full time. I had a show that night and I was chopping a video down and I was just like, I gotta get ready for the show. I don't have, I don't, I don't have the energy to do this. So I said, you know, if I gave him, if I paid him to edit these for me, I could probably create enough videos in that time with that renewed energy to cover his cost, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times it's about scaling. Like I watch a lot of Shark Tank and what happens is businesses get to a point where they can't grow anymore without more space, resources, or employees. So that's kind of where we are now. That's why getting this new office was scary, but I have we had outgrown our space. So I could probably generate enough income by creating more content in that space than trying to nickel and dime or you know fit into a smaller space. So it gets to the point where to make to make your business more efficient and do what you do well. Like, yes, I can edit, but is it the best use of my time? Even if it's just, most of my podcast was just chopping the end off where I turned the camera on, chopping the end off where I turned it off and uploading that. But even that small thing would take three hours to chop, export, post on Facebook, post on YouTube, cut a piece out on Instagram. Paying Josh, I just give myself three hours, four or five times a week that I can now think of some new joke, new podcast, do another show, that type of thing. So it's like Ray Charles, I was reading his biography. He didn't buy a private plane to flex. He bought a private plane because he realized after 10 o'clock, you can't really fly anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get a commercial flight anywhere. But if I have a private plane, when I leave uh, Boston, I can fly and be in you know, the next, in, in Chicago in, in two and a half hours. I'll never forget the moment, you know, it's my goal to own, I have a private plane, by the way, Joe, I'm just gonna share that with you. I love it. I saw Kevin Hart in, at the Staples Center a couple of years ago, had a great time, me and my wife date night. I mean, blast, it was hilarious. Saw a lady get kicked out for using her cell phone. They literally drug her out. And I was like, this is crazy, <laughs> right? And I'm way up in the nosebleed. Me and my wife have a great time, go home, go to bed. I wake up the next morning, Kevin Hart is on set in Boston shooting a movie. And I was like, what? 
That only happens because he had the money for a private jet. Now, this isn't my pitch to get a private jet, but it shows you how it was an efficiency play. He could get that tour money in L.A. on Friday night. Saturday morning, he gets paid to be in a movie. He's actually probably making more. He's said this a couple of times. He made more on tour than he made from his movies mm. or yeah, made from his movies. But his star rose more because of his movies. So, yes, that private flight is expensive, but he's going to make that back 10 times over. Boom. Yeah, Jeff Foxworthy said the same thing. He, he had a private jet so he could fly home to be able to take his kids to school in the morning. I would absolutely do that. There, yeah. If I could, if it was that difference between not seeing my family and seeing my family mm -hmm. because of that, I would invest in that because it's important to me to, to be there. And that's the one thing about the pandemic that's been great. I've been at home more than I've been in my life, most of us. Mm -hmm. And but especially me, the last two years touring, it allowed me to reconnect with my kids. I learned their middle names. I hadn't said that in a while. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm able to build a podcast with my son where generally I wouldn't have, not only because I'm traveling, because he he's a competitive, he's a really good soccer player and he has practice two or three times a week in tournaments all weekend. But now we started a podcast, we're gonna be doing that weekly. And that's, you know, the pandemic has changed so many things, you know, that being one of them. Oh man. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like without the pandemic, we wouldn't have connected either, you know? So it's no. like, it's, it's a beautiful there's thing. There's no way. Making, no making way it positive. Keep your yeah. distance wouldn't have had, there's no way I would have ever thought about doing keep your distance without the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There's just like the circumstances created the content. I just capitalized off of it. But if the world is the same, I would be like, bro, I'm going on the road because that's the most money I thought I could ever make. I would never thought I could. I used to be on the road, Joe, like, man, I love stand up. But if I could just be at home after this, yeah, that would be great. Uh, and now I found a way to do that. It's not the traditional way, but it's a it, it's a way that works. So let, let's land this plane. You got a you have a busy day here. Um, Jay Friggen saying you should get me on a case study on your master class. Do you do case studies on there? Uh, I do case study. It's pronounced Phrygian. Phrygian. Yo, my bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to ask him. Uh, Phrygian. Yeah, I would definitely look into doing a Joe Byers case study on my master class. I need to update that, by the way. Oh, okay then. Won't he do it? Let him use you. Okay. Just so, take it easy, Joe Byers. My bad. You're all over the black community now. You're in the church. You're in the trap. I dude, I, I came up in Atlanta, like just do I was never on the cool shows, you know? Like I never got booked on like the hip popular shows. I was just going wherever I could get stage time. And most of that was just in like the hood rooms. That's really how I came up as a comic. So it's just like it's just in me. Black people gonna make a way. Even for white people, we're gonna be like, man, Joe, cool. That's my boy. Like, Joe, nah, man, we went to high school together. He's straight. <laughs> <laughs> man, I appreciate the crew for hanging out and um, bringing us together with the Hot Breath Verse. And uh, you, Kev, we always, we always end these episodes with two things. The first one is just your favorite comedy advice. Um, something you picked up over your career. What is like your favorite comedy advice that you could bestow to the next generation of comics here? Um, if you tell your story, your life authentically, no one can steal that joke. And that's why I focus on doing things from my point of view. I mean, it's, I mean, technically somebody can steal that joke, but it's going to be really hard to steal my life story. Uh, and when you bomb, get back up there. I bombed two weeks ago and I hadn't bombed that hard in a minute. So that was a sobering reminder.
I, it was great. Like, I mean, not in the moment, but afterwards it was like, oh yeah, you can still bomb. You, you definitely have the potential to still bomb. So, uh, but you'll live, you live to find another day. If it happened live, I'm going to get it back. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You ever been booed before? What? Booed. <laughs> booed. I had a black, I had a step, a step show and I, I made the great mistake of mispronouncing one of the, um, I, I was introducing a fraternity and I called them by a sorority's name and I was promptly booed. And for the next three hours I was hated and I didn't do another black step event for like eight years. I had doggone PTSD, post-traumatic step show. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I appreciate all the kind words from the crew and uh, you Kev, uh, the final thing guests do, could you look into the camera, say your name, and why comics should listen to Hot Breath? Yo, it's your boy Kevin on stage, and you should listen to Hot Breath because Joel has all the keys that you didn't know you needed. Foul. My man, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> show some love for Kev on stage, everyone. Kevin Frederick. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you, Joel. I'm going to hit you up, bro. DM me. What's your Instagram? Absolutely. The Instagram is Joel Byers Comedy. J-O-E-L-B-Y-A-R-S Comedy. And uh, Hot Breath Pod. You don't even follow me on the gram, Joel. What you talking about? Dude, I am so not active on there. That's what we were just talking about. Like, I'm, yeah. I honestly have not been active and consistent on any social media except, like, the Hot Breath Facebook group lately. So Okay, um, well, follow me back so I can book you, bro, and send me a set. Yeah, oh, already. Done deal. All right, my brother. I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Thanks, thanks, crew. We'll see you all right, next crew. I'll catch up with y'all. See y'all tomorrow. There you have it, Hot Breathverse. If you found this episode helpful, please just take a moment to share it right now while it's top of mind. We spend hours every single week getting these episodes to you, and all we ask in return is for you to share this. If you're a comedian or aspiring comic looking to level up your own comedy game, we do have classes and workshops for you linked in the description of this episode, as well as a free Facebook group where we do a daily joke writing contest. So we have a little bit of everything for everyone here in the Hot Breath Diverse, and we're so excited and honored for you to join us. And until next Monday... We'll be back right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.